Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the September 1997 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. The title of the article is The Greatest of These is Charity, written by Melville H. Nahin, 33rd Degree. A greater charity than giving only money is giving of ourselves, our time, and talent. Throughout the Masonic degrees, we hear much of charity. But what is charity? Is it the act of putting money in the Salvation Army pot at Christmas time? Is it donating to your church, synagogue, or mosque? Surely this must be charity, as we are allowed to claim these gifts as income tax deductions. How then do we explain the references in the Entered Apprentice degree in the American ritual, charity extends beyond the grave through the boundless realms of eternity, or the circumambulation of the fellowcraft degree, charity suffereth long and is kind. There must be a greater charity than that of giving only money. The charity of giving the gift that no one else can give, the giving of ourselves, the giving, for example, of our time and talent to coach a candidate through the degrees and convey to him more than just the mouthing of the ritual. Then there is helping the members of our fraternity, the guests in our retirement homes, and the patients in our hospitals. And what about the charity of giving our personal support and leadership to youth groups in the various bodies of Freemasonry, Demolay for Boys, Job's Daughters, and Rainbow for Girls? And remember the Boy Scouts, the Girl Guides, the Little League, and the several youth groups in our various community and religious associations? But perhaps the greatest charity of all is the hardest to explain, as it is the easiest to give and the one most often overlooked, the charity of kindness. The opening prayer in one of our Masonic organizations reads, Enrich our hearts with that most excellent gift of charity, so that our acts may be full of the spirit of kindness and forbearance one toward another. In the Revised Standard Version of the Volume of the Sacred Law, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 translates the word charity to love, and charity in its truest form is love of your fellow man, regardless of his race, creed, color, or the amount of money in his bank account. I recall the funeral of John F. Kennedy many years ago. An Air Force sergeant was playing taps. His performance was televised all over the free world. He was performing to the largest audience a musician ever had, and being human, he made a mistake. He missed a note. After the service, a television announcer said the most charitable thing I have ever heard. In commenting on the bugler's mistake, he said simply, his lips trembled for the whole world. And now abides faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. 1 Corinthians 13.13 And as Masons, may we add, so mote it be. The following article is from the July-August 2004 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry. Dialogue Between Ernst and Falk by Most Worshipful John L. Cooper III. Lessing addresses Masonic Relief in the 18th century. Masonic Relief for the less fortunate as an organized activity is often considered a modern phenomenon. Many people think of Masonic charities, such as the Shriners Hospital or the Right Care Childhood Language Program of the Scottish Rite, as purely modern inventions within Freemasonry. 
something newly created in the 20th century to reach out to non-Masonic world through organized charity. It may come as a surprise to learn that Masonic outreach is more than two centuries old, and a commentary on its function within Freemasonry is found in a powerful Masonic work published in Germany in 1778. Gotthold Ephraim Lessing was a contemporary of other distinguished Freemasons, such as George Washington and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. As a representative of the German Enlightenment, he was almost without equal. In 1778, he wrote Ernst and Falk, a dialogue patterned after Plato's dialogues. Falk is a Freemason, and when the dialogue opens, he is engaged in a conversation with his friend Ernst. Ernst says to Falk, Are you a Freemason? Falk responds, I believe myself to be one. Falk agrees that he was initiated a Mason in a Masonic Lodge, but insists that this is not the real reason why he claims to be a Mason. Falk says, I believe myself to be a Freemason, not so much for the reason that I was initiated by older Masons in a warranted lodge, but because I understand and perceive what Freemasonry is and why it is. Ernst is intrigued by what Freemasonry means to Falk, and Falk is glad to explain it. One part of the dialogue is especially intriguing as it relates to Masonic relief. Falk, when challenged by Ernst to recount the things that Freemasons do for others, as opposed to themselves, is treated to a litany of Masonic philanthropies of the day. A foundling hospital in Stockholm, a workhorse for poor young girls in Dresden, a school for poor boys in Brunswick, and a free public school in Berlin. Falk is modest, but Ernst presses him to admit that Freemasons do all this for the publicity they receive. Falk vehemently denies this, saying the real deeds of the Freemason are so great, look so far ahead, that whole centuries could pass by before one was able to say, that have they done. Ernst closes this part of the conversation with a riddle. Good deeds aim at making good deeds superfluous. Think carefully about the meaning of this riddle as you read about Masonic Relief. Lessing is saying that good deeds are not just done to relieve a temporary distress, but rather to set in motion things that will ultimately make those deeds superfluous. In Lessing's day, there were no hospitals for the poor, but Freemasons started them, and soon society came to accept responsibility for medical care for the poor. In Lessing's day, there were no widespread public schools, but Freemasons created them, and soon society came to accept its responsibility for free public education. Masonry believes in equality of men before God, and in 1776, a new political society, America, took its place among the nations of the earth based on Masonic principles. Freemasons founded the Shriners Hospitals when children suffered from infantile paralysis. When that dreaded disease had been conquered, they turned to helping children with other needs. Freemasonry is thus much more than a relief society dedicated to doing good works. It is an idea and an ideal a force for good that changes the world for the better, and it has been doing so for over 300 years. Now I'm going to continue on because in that same section of the uh, journal, there's another article that ties in with our focus on charity this time around. Radford University's Scottish Rite Fellows at Work in Peru. As part of an Operation Smile medical mission, Professor Michael Van Lu, Communication Sciences and Disorders, Radford University, Radford, Virginia, traveled to Trujillo, Peru with graduate students Janine Hawk, Prue Knight, and Mandy Luria to develop educational materials for parents or caregivers of children with cleft lip and palate. The graduate students, who are Scottish Rite Fellows at RU, analyzed speech patterns to determine which patients could benefit from surgery. Prue Knight says this experience reinforced her dedication to the field of speech-language pathology. I realized what an impact I can have as a speech-language pathologist. 
To help people who really need assistance was certainly one of the most rewarding and enriching experiences I ever had. Thank you, Scottish Rite, for this great opportunity. The following article is from the February 1997 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. Helping Kids Get Back on Their Feet in 1997, Shriners Hospitals celebrate 75 years in the treatment and care of children. Little did noble Forrest Adair of Atlanta's Yarab Shrine Temple know, more than 75 years ago at an Imperial Council session, that his impassioned plea to have Shriners begin spending money for humanity would help pave the way for the opening in 1922 of the first Shriners Hospital for Crippled Children, now Shriners Hospital for Children, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Today, that dream, which followed on the heels of a resolution by the Shrine's imperial potentate Freeland Kendrick in 1920 to establish a Shriners Hospital, has blossomed into a world-renowned network of 19 pediatric orthopedic care and three burn treatment hospitals that offer free quality medical care to its patients. In the 1920s, when Shriners approved the concept that would become known as the world's greatest philanthropy, they established several simple rules for the Shreveport Hospital and all others to follow. To be admitted, a child must be from a family unable to pay for the orthopedic treatment he or she would receive, be under 14 years of age, later increased to 18, and be, in the opinion of the chief of staff, someone whose condition could be helped. After the Shreveport Hospital began admitting patients in 1922, the Shrine's network of orthopedic hospitals began taking shape and grew steadily for several years in the following cities, Honolulu, Minneapolis, and San Francisco in 1923, Portland, Oregon, St. Louis, and Spokane, 1924, Salt Lake City, Montreal, and Springfield, Massachusetts, 1925, Chicago, Philadelphia, Lexington, Kentucky, and Greenville, South Carolina, 1926. Following a lapse of 19 years, more orthopedic facilities opened in Mexico City, 1945, Houston, Los Angeles, and Winnipeg, 1952, Erie, 1967, and Tampa, 1985. The Winnipeg Hospital was later closed in 1977. Dedicated to providing quality orthopedic care. Today, there are 19 Shriners Orthopedic Hospitals in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, all dedicated to providing specialized medical and rehabilitation services completely free of charge to children with congenital orthopedic deformities, problems resulting from orthopedic injuries, and diseases of the musculoskeletal system. A few of the orthopedic problems most commonly treated include scoliosis or curvature of the spine, hand and back problems, club foot, limb deficiencies, osteogenesis imperfecta or brittle bone disease, leg length discrepancies, and growth problems. Shriners Hospitals were among the first children's specialty hospitals in North America, and their pioneering efforts have earned them an international reputation in orthopedic medicine and research. These hospitals treat children in a family-centered care environment, recognizing that while medicine might heal the child's body, tending to that child's sense of well-being is equally important. The family, therefore, is involved in the child's treatment, and each patient finds special support in meeting the challenges of his or her particular problem. To ensure comprehensive care for children and associated medical problems, Shriners Hospital's medical staffs include pediatricians, urologists, neurosurgeons, plastic surgeons, geneticists, and other specialists. In addition, the interdisciplinary medical team includes physicians, nurses, specially trained orthotic and prosthetic technicians, 
gate lab specialist, physical, occupational, and recreational therapist, and other medical personnel. Among several of the special programs that trainers hospitals conduct for patients at their orthopedic hospitals are CHOICES, which is Children's Healthcare Options Improved Through Collaborative Efforts and Services. Initiated in late 1990, the CHOICES program is a model of how public and private agencies working together can improve services and reduce cost at the same time. As a result of discussions held prior to 1990 between Shriners Hospitals and the Kentucky Commission for Handicapped Children, the Title V agency for the state of Kentucky, it became clear that children with special health care needs could truly benefit if Shriners Hospitals and state Title V agencies worked together in an open and collaborative manner. Though not all Shriners Hospitals are involved in the program, Choices has developed into a sophisticated, comprehensive, multidisciplinary program addressing the total health care needs of a very special group of children. Gate Analysis Laboratories Visual observation before and after a child's treatment has long been an important evaluation tool for orthopedic physicians. At Shriners Hospitals, physicians also use sophisticated gait analysis laboratories that provide extensive information about the activity involved in a child's walking. Using a system of reflective markers, infrared cameras, and force plate data, a computerized model of the child's walking pattern provides physicians with an objective method to diagnose the problems in a child's movements before treatment and to evaluate the effectiveness of the treatment afterwards. Myoelectric camps. A special program conducted by the Shriners Hospital in Philadelphia is a myoelectric camp. Myoelectric describes a prosthetic arm with a realistic-looking hand that uses an electrical signal from a patient's own muscle to control a motor that operates the hand. The patient opens or closes the hand by contracting a muscle in his or her residual limb. Though requiring some getting used to by the patients, myoelectric prostheses are considered a major advance over the more traditional prosthetic limbs, which rely on a system of cables and harnesses to open and close the hook. Recreational programs. The 22 Shriners hospitals are dedicated not only to providing the best medical care possible to their patients, but also to helping the children make the most of their abilities and function as normally as possible. A variety of recreational programs help make this possible. The hospitals offer their patients activities such as wheelchair basketball, racing, and tennis, special camps, scouting activities, parties, holiday celebrations, and more. Addressing burn patients' needs. In the 1960s, recognizing the lack of medical expertise in the burn care field, the Shrine opened its three Shriners Burn Institutes in Galveston in 1966, Cincinnati and Boston in 1968, each with a threefold purpose of treating severely burned children, conducting research and improving methods on burn treatment, and training and educating medical personnel in the care and treatment of burn injuries. Today, the Shriners Burn Institute remains pioneers in burn treatment and provide quality medical care to severely burned children. These institutes are actively involved in research, and many of the advances in burn care have been the result of Shrine investigations. Since the Burns Institutes opened, the survival rate for children with burns over 50% of their total body surface has doubled. Today, physicians at the Shriners Burn Institute are saving the lives of children with burns over more than 90% of their body surface area. Because the treatment of burn injuries has advanced so dramatically in the past three decades, so much so that the needs of burn patients can now be met, burn injury survivors face another challenge, returning to normal life in a society that places tremendous emphasis on physical appearance. 
As a result, Shriners Burn Care professionals have turned their attention to helping burn patients function more normally in society by establishing special programs to address this challenge, such as the following. Re-entry program. Survivors of severe disfiguring burns often encounter difficulties when they leave the hospital and return to their homes and schools. The Burn Institute recognizes that it is not enough to save children's lives, and many burn experts believe that the psychological, social, educational, and vocational needs of these children are as important as their medical needs. In 1988, Shriners Hospitals set up a program to help children return to their homes and schools. Through the re-entry program, staff members from the Burns Institutes travel to their patients' home communities to help with the child's re-entry into home life. Classmates learn that though the patient may look different on the outside, the person inside is still the same person they knew before the burn. Makeup Clinics The Shriners Burn Institute in Boston offers a reconstructive makeup clinic to its patients at no charge. In the early 1980s, a professional cosmetologist began volunteering his services to the hospital with the intention of teaching burn patients how to use corrective makeup to soften the impact of their scars. By 1986, the hospital had established the first hospital-based professional reconstructive and corrective makeup clinic for its patients with burn injuries and other skin disorders. The clinic is held weekly as part of the hospital's outpatient clinic and is offered to both males and females. Included is a consultation beginning with a videotape of the clinic in action, followed by a demonstration of several makeup techniques. Patients are informed that the makeup will not remove scars, but it is used to soften the severity of disfigurement and create an overall more natural appearance. Sense of hope and optimism for spinal cord injured patients. Each year, thousands of young people are paralyzed because of spinal cord injuries. In 1980, the Shrine opened the first of three special rehabilitation units at the Shriners Hospital in Philadelphia where such patients can find hope, strength, inspiration, and obtain the specialized medical care needed for rehabilitation. At that time, this was the first such unit in the United States designed to meet the specific needs of children and teenagers with spinal cord injuries. In 1982, a second spinal cord injury rehabilitation unit was established at the Shriners Hospital in Chicago, and in 1984, the third unit was opened at the San Francisco Shriners Hospital. Spinal cord injured children receive long-term rehabilitative care and intensive physical and occupational therapy intended to help them relearn the basic skills of everyday life. Though patients often enter one of the Shrine's spinal cord injury units apprehensive about the future, after encouragement, support, and rehabilitation, they frequently leave with a sense of hope and optimism. Actively seeking solutions through research. The research of today is the patient care of tomorrow. Shriners Hospitals believe in this philosophy, and nowhere is this better exemplified than in Shriners Hospitals research programs. At Shriners Hospitals, medical research is having a strong, positive impact on the care and cure of children with orthopedic disabilities and burn injuries. What began as a token $12,000 allocation about 30 years ago has grown into a multi-million dollar international research program with a budget for 1997 of $21 million. The added emphasis on research today goes hand in hand with the Shrine's overall mission of finding ways not only to treat, but also prevent those afflictions which can keep our youth from leading full lives. Vitally important to that mission is the clinical and basic research that has been responsible for many major developments made in the orthopedic and burn care fields. Researchers at the St. Louis and Canadian Shriners Hospitals are achieving significant results in the diagnosis and management of children with metabolic bone disease. 
The genetics unit at Montreal has pioneered a treatment protocol based on vitamin D and large phosphate supplements to treat familial hypophosphatemia, the most prevalent inherited form of rickets. Effective application of this knowledge corrects the lower limb deformity and enables normal growth in many children, thus eliminating the need for corrective surgery. At the Portland Shriners Hospitals, investigators have demonstrated that a mutation in the gene for making fibrillin, a component of connective tissue that holds together skin, muscles, and organs, is responsible for Marfran syndrome, a potentially fatal inherited disorder resulting in severe skeletal deformities, dislocated lenses of the eye, and life-threatening cardiovascular complications. With this new knowledge, it is now possible to accurately diagnose Marfan syndrome, even in unborn fetuses, before the symptoms actually occur. There are many other research projects underway at Shriners Hospitals, including one in Houston, where Jacqueline Hecht, PhD, a member of the hospital's scientific staff, leads a research team that recently uncovered the genetic link to pseudoachondroplasia, a form of dwarfism that strikes 1 in 50,000 people. Hecht says she hopes that eventually a treatment will be developed to help those with pseudochondroplasia to grow and escape some of the physical ailments associated with the condition. The condition limits average adult height to 4 feet and causes a number of problems related to bone development, including knocked knees and bowed legs. According to Hecht, discovery of the dwarfism gene may one day lead to a better understanding of joint and bone disorders, including arthritis, and ways to treat them. As with any research, however, solutions to today's medical problems are not discovered in a day, a week, or even a year. This important work takes time. Shriners Hospitals are committed to the sustained investment in clinically useful research so that the fundamental knowledge can be acquired that will improve the quality of life of children with orthopedic problems and burn injuries. Moving into the 21st century in state-of-the-art facilities. For 1997, the Shriners Hospitals are spending well over a million dollars a day to operate their entire hospital system to conduct research and to continue their ambitious rebuilding and reconstruction program that was begun in the early 1980s. At that time, the Shriners Hospitals boards of directors and trustees saw the need for such a program if the hospitals were to continue offering the most advanced orthopedic and burn care well into the 21st century. That program is coming to a close with just three of the 21 hospitals still under construction the Shriners Burn Institute in Boston, the Philadelphia Hospital, and the brand new Northern California Hospital in Sacramento. By late spring 1998, the Boston Shriners Burns Institute will be the last of the Shriners hospitals to be completed. The Northern California Hospital, which will replace the San Francisco Shriners Hospital that has been caring for children for the past 73 years, will be the Shrine's largest as well as the first to incorporate all four specialties for which the Shriners hospitals are noted pediatric orthopedics, spinal cord injuries, acute burns, and research. With a total of 80 beds, 50 will be for orthopedic care, including spinal cord injuries, and 30 for burn care. When the new eight-story state-of-the-art facility opens in April 1997, it will serve as the Shrine's flagship hospital and its primary burn center in the West, reducing the need for severely burned children to travel across the country to receive care at one of the other three Shriners Burns Institutes. 75th anniversary celebration, just beginning. With 1997 less than two months old, Shriners throughout North America are joining Shriners Hospitals during the year in celebrating the 75th anniversary of this unique network of children's specialty hospitals. The celebration is intended to increase public awareness and understanding of Shriners Hospitals in a manner never before undertaken. 
In recognition of the 75th anniversary, the Shrine has produced a one-hour television special, which could be considered an untelethon. The TV special is similar to the popular telethons, but instead of fundraising, it will focus on finding more children whom Shriners Hospitals can help free of charge. Videotaped at Disney's Epcot in Florida, the special is co-hosted by TV star Pat Morita, himself a former Shriners Hospital patient, and Peter Graves of Mission Impossible fame, and AME&E's biography series. It features a mix of information and entertainment, including guest appearances by several current and former Shriners Hospital patients. The program will be telecast initially in early April in every television market in which a Shriners Hospital is located, excluding Mexico City, markets which hold the potential to reach 21 million television households. In addition to the Untelethon, a variety of public relations-related activities are taking place throughout the year, making the 75th anniversary celebration the most comprehensive PR campaign in Shriners Hospital history. Two celebrity 75th anniversary public service announcement campaigns are being distributed, one early this year and the second in the spring or early summer. Featured in these PSA campaigns are television stars Eric Estrada, Dick Clark, Lonnie Anderson, and Morgan Fairchild. A special 75th anniversary logo depicting a patient, a Shriner, and a physician is being carried through on all elements used in connection with the anniversary celebration. The logo appears on such items as bumper stickers, newspaper rack cards, airport and mall dioramas, bus cards, bus tail signs, truck and van decals, and more. Also, most of the Shriners hospitals will be hosting special patient reunions during the year. Because of the variety of activities planned in conjunction with the 75th anniversary, 1997 promises to be a year of opportunities for telling the story of Shriners hospitals. Throughout their 75 years of service to children of all walks of life, Shriners Hospitals have not been simply hospitals, but places of healing and caring where patients and their families find hope, hope for a better and more productive life ahead. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.